The final frontier begins. This is about saving the future of humanity. This is a huge victory for the good guys. You've never seen Voyager. Commitment to this course of action is not emotional. Study! Beam us up. Welcome to another episode of Beam Me Up, a Star Trek podcast. I am Brent Allen, and I have seen every episode of Star Trek 94 times. I had to do some quick math there, but I gotcha. <laughs> I'm still not sure I'm entirely, but uh, we'll cover that later. I'm Matt Sonnenberg, <laughs> and this is my first time through the series. And this is the show where we're on a mission to do math. And introduce people to the Star Trek universe by watching the most important episodes that deal with the lore, the history, and the timeless message of Star Trek. And might I add, just some really cool freaking episodes, too. That's fair enough. And, you know, we're switching things up here on this episode. We'll get that to that in a minute. But one thing that's not changing is that I want you to go to beamyuppod.com and leave us a review. You can do that from that site. There's a link. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever you want to call it, or Podchaser. If you're on a non-Apple product, Podchaser is a great place to go and do that. But go, leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the show. I'd love to hear from you. Today's episodes are the 20th and 21st episodes of season three of Deep Space Nine, entitled Improbable Cause and The Die is Cast, or as I like to call it, the one where Odo turns into a zombie. I'm glad you called it that too. Yeah. Matt, before we get into the episode recap and, and you know, tell people what's up, because we're going to change the way we do this today on the, on this particular episode. Uh, but before we get there, Matt, I'll give you a chance. Um, give me just sort of some overall thoughts and reactions, flyby reactions to this episode. It started off really slow. I thought it was going to be kind of boring and I wasn't really excited about it until about halfway through the first episode. Then things picked up and they kept on going and I learned some new things about some people and I'm not sure what I think about them. Interesting. Well, I can't wait to get into all of this. Look, Matt, this is one of my favorite episodes of Deep Space Nine. Okay. Uh, it's not just mine. It's it's a fan favorite episode. Finally, it sounds like you might like this episode. You are in agreement with the <laughs> fan favorite episodes. Matt, this is one of those episodes for me, though. It gets better every time I see it. I could see that. It really does. It's like this is such an intelligent, smart, well-paced uh mystery you know there's intrigue going there around. was a lot of twists and turns lots of and twists and turns you don't necessarily see coming whenever you do that it, it adds to the rewatchability because yeah. then you have you go back and it's like okay i know what happens now what clues did they leave exactly it's just such a good episode and it and it like i said it gets better every time i see it the idea that the dominion is now actively interfering in alpha quadrant, alpha quadrant politics. They're mm -hmm. systematically trying to take down potential resistance, not current resistance, but potential resistance. Like they're, they're trying to bring down things that could stand in their way in the future. Like that is chilling. It should be a bone chilling revelation, but from a storytelling perspective is amazing. And uh, plus I'm sorry, Garrick blowing up his own shop always, gets me i think it's amazing <laughs> the fact he blows up his own shop um, just to get attention well to to get odo on the case to figure well, out what's yeah going that's on, what i mean but, yeah. but it, i mean it's just to get odo's attention yeah yeah and and i mean garrick garrick might be my ds my favorite ds9 character he really might like he is such such a 
he cool definitely character. bumped up a few notches. It, it, yeah. It's why we had to meet him. There was no other way. Like oh, that episode that was kind of like a, yeah, like the second episode of DC Stein, but it's the one where we meet Garrick. Like you can't not meet him yeah. in any other way. So anyway, uh, Matt character actor spotlight. Let's talk about a couple of guys. Actually, there's not really anybody new. We've met everybody already. Sure. We've met everybody of interest. Um, Andrew Robinson's back as Garrick. Paul Dooley is back as an Auburn Tain. I do want to point out one person, though. This is the guy whose face we didn't see. The Cardassian informant. Yeah, up in the cave. Yeah, yeah. The guy who we didn't actually see him at all. We we saw half of his face. Right, like you saw his eyes. Yeah. Um, Well, he's played by a guy named Joseph Ruskin. Now, Matt, you probably wouldn't know who Joseph Ruskin is. I didn't know who Joseph Ruskin is. Doesn't sound familiar. But Joseph Ruskin was actually, he's been all over Star Trek. He'll come back for Enterprise. He's been in Voyager. He actually was on an earlier episode of Zeus Space Nine that we skipped called Looking for Parmok in All the Wrong Places. Hilarious episode. You should go watch it uh, where he was playing a Klingon. He was played different stuff, but he is one of the very few people who actually was in the original series as well. Mm. And he was in a Trekkies will know this, Matt, you didn't watch this episode, an episode called gamesters of Triskelion. And he played the character Galt for all you Trekkies out there who might be wondering who he was, but it's the, it's the same guy. And this was guy he a kid uh, back then, or is he just really no, old? He was now? an adult. He's just older now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so he, I mean, I guess he's about 30 years older. So maybe back then he was like in his twenties and now he's in his fifties yeah. yeah. or thirties. And now he's in his sixties somewhere around there, but, uh, he will be back. Like I said, for several more appearances. So I, I did want to point him out just because he's been around and Trekkies might kind of go, Oh, it's that guy. It's not something that you would do, Matt. One other thing I do want to point out before moving on today's episode, the first episode improbable cause was directed by our very own Avery Brooks. Okay. Just throwing that there. This is also the first time that a two-parter is being directed by somebody who is on the main cast of the episode that is directing it. Hmm, okay. So we've, we previously had Frakes direct two parters on deep space nine, but he wasn't a regular on deep space nine. Yeah. Uh, he never did that for D- anyway. So you have all that. All right, Matt, well, this is normally the part of the show where I'd say, all right, it's time to go through the episode. We'll go act by act. And you tell us what stood out to you, what jumped out to you along the way. But Matt, you and I were talking and we've done some, some, we did a different episode, not prior to recording this one Yeah, where you have been saying to me for a long time. Now I got to watch, Watch Firefly, this other yep. sci-fi show. Well, we did. And we watched all of it, plus the movie, like 16 hours worth of television. Actually, I think it's like 14 by the time you take out commercials, but whatever. Yep. Uh, but but it's several. We came down, we binged it, we went all the way through it, and we did an episode, and we're like, hey, we had to kind of rearrange how we did that episode, and we liked how that felt. So we're gonna try that with this episode today, where we're gonna instead of going through the episode act by act, we're gonna kind of hit some of the main plots. So we'll see how it works. And uh, we'll go from there. And Matt, you know, I got to tell you, people who've watched Deep Space Nine, especially, but even Voyager and even uh, Enterprise and and several of those people who've watched this before, like they will understand that when we talk about like as Deep Space Nine, as these episodes series dive into more complex story arcs, uh, Trek is evolving. Television's evolving. And I think it's kind of like we're evolving with it, you know, uh, and kind of going through a different act. So Matt, I'm just going to let you talk about what stood out to you. I'm going to have some questions maybe to help guide the conversation along the way, but you know, I really that, want that this. would probably be appreciated. Yeah. yeah. But I, I really just like, I want to, to very, very much give you the floor. So Matt, let's start off mm-hmm. by just talking about the overall story of this episode and, and particularly the a plot, which there's, you know, just a, a 
a you know quick little snippet maybe for anybody out there who didn't see uh you know you have this mystery of garrick's shop is blowing up and who would want to kill him and then that leads us on a journey to his former mentor anabrantain who we find out has convinced the tal shiar the romulan secret society to join forces with the cardassian secret society the obsidian order in order for them to head to the gamma quadrant so that they can go to the changeling homeworld and destroy all the changelings preventing them from coming into the alpha quadrant and starting a war before it even starts even if that means that garrick has to torture the location out of odo but when they arrive it turns out the changelings were waiting to ambush them the combined fleet and this was actually tane being manipulated by the changelings the whole time so that they could take out certain powers in the alpha quadrant whoa what'd you think of the overall story of <laughs> this two-parter well okay first of all is this like a requirement in the future that every single race has a like secret underground society? Does the Federation? The Maquis? No, they're not underground or secret. They're, <laughs> and they're not part of the Federation. I, I, I mean, like the Tal Shiar and the, and the, the Obsidian yeah, Order. So, are, so, so I, I, I'm not saying I'm right about this, but I mean, the Federation is, <laughs> I mean, is, is an amalgamation of many, many races too. Sure. So, I mean, like, like I'm, I'm just saying like, yeah, the Obsidian Order and Tal Shiar, uh, the, you could almost say like the Jem'Hadar, um, like you got all these just like, here's the race mm -hmm. and then here's the underground muscle that's gonna really run things or that gonna try to upset the natural order of things or whatever it is and it's mm -hmm. like this episode in particular just made it feel like every single race has one of these groups i cannot comment on that <laughs> going forward okay I'll just i that is that is a question that you need to have in the back of your mind. Let's put it that uh -huh. way. Just just mm -hmm. hang on to that thought and that theory and we'll see where it shakes out. All right. Fair enough. Well, the overall story, though, that like I said, the first half of the first episode was mm -hmm. just it, it kind of was just dragging along because you didn't care, care who wanted to kill Garrick. Not really. And they were taking too long to get there and just sure. asking boring questions and not actually making progress because like they went through a whole sequence and then Odo's was sitting down with Cisco. And it's like, yeah. So what do we know? Well, all we know is someone uh, tried to blow up Garrick in a shop. That's what we're back to now. Like they went through this whole sequence and, and said, maybe it's this, maybe it's this, and maybe it's this. And then kind of ruled all that out. And it's like, well, yeah. So now we just know even someone blew up a shop. We're back at the beginning. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh boy, are we actually going to go anywhere with this? Mm -hmm. But then, like I said, it, it did finally start to pick up. And there were a lot of weird moments mm -hmm. within these episodes, weird relationship twists that, I mean, some of them I kind of wonder if I just haven't seen before or just it felt like they, they tried to pair up so many different people throughout these episodes. You mean like like kind of take people who aren't normally together and and like shuffle the cards a little bit and yeah, see or what at least that, that I haven't seen, right? Sure. Because I mean, it started off with, I mean, the theme also is let's have lunch together. Um, <laughs> seriously, because because it yeah. starts off with shoot, I'm gonna forget who who it was, Garrick and Bashir, Bashir, yeah, and like that relationship I knew about. Sure. Like they, they, they've had, had that before, mm -hmm. but then we move along and we have, uh, let's see, Garrick was gone. So is Bashir and O'Brien O'Brien. Mm -hmm. Okay. And like, so you have that kind of weird pairing and they almost reverse roles 
from the first lunch breakfast meal thing we had. Mm -hmm. And then was there one more in the middle there before we get to the end of it? And Odo wants to have lunch with Garrick. Yeah. Yeah, I was it, was it Bashir and Garrick back together? I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm really, yeah. But, but I mean, at at least three different pairings in there Mm -hmm. and it it, it just watching these back to back and, you know, all, all in a concise period of time, like it just, it seemed like a weird thing was going on and mm-hmm. like they were trying to tell me something or trying to prove something or trying to make some kind of point along the way there. And mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. It was weird, but all that's tied into Garrick's big story arc here. He, he goes all over the place because mm-hmm. I went from knowing as Garrick the tailor. I completely forgot he, he had that connection with the obsidian order. Mm-hmm. Like as they talked about it more and more, and like, if they called him Elam the first time, I'm like, wait, who's that? Oh yeah, that's Garrick. Okay, Elam Garrick, got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then it's like, okay, like the Obsidian Order sounded familiar. And it's like, oh, that was Garrick? I don't remember that. You know how my memory is. I've, I've talked to you about that before. But as they explain things again, it's like, okay, we've been through this. Brent, show me this. I'm, I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> like, it, it was one of those things, like I'm sure you would have showed me or sure. at least told me about it. But um, going into this, Garrick was in my mind was still kind of an innocent dim-witted tailor dim-witted that's okay. that's okay. what I, I the the impression I had going into this uh, partly because like I said I forgot about the obsidian order thing yeah. and even the bit I did know about the obsidian order I don't think I fully understood his role within the order okay so this episode changed a lot for me mm-hmm. because Especially at the beginning of the second episode when Garrick's sitting down with Tane. Mm -hmm. And after the first like two minutes, I I didn't actually time it, but it it, it was a long sequence. It it felt like five minutes they sat and just the two of them were talking. Yeah. Like about their history and stuff. And I'm like, oh boy, after the first like minute or two, it's like, okay, this this is important. They're they're trying to give me a history, trying to give me some background here so I understand Mm -hmm. what's going on. And like in that section, they go into like how Garrick was this brilliant uh, interrogator. And I kept bouncing back and forth because I was still struggling to maybe give Garrick enough credit. Uh huh. But it, it, I, I kind of wonder, like the way they were describing it, it's like, did he just like accidentally stumble across methods that worked? Because like the one, the one instance they said, like he got this confession out of this guy without ever saying a word. Mm-hmm. I'm like, was that just Garrick sitting there not really knowing what he should be doing? And so he just stared at the guy long enough and eventually he confessed. Or was that him actively saying, you know, no, I'm just going to stare this guy down. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's interesting you say that. And I feel like I'm speaking on behalf of, of a lot of listeners out there. At least I kind of hope I am. Maybe I'm out here on an island by myself. Dim-witted is never a phrase I would have put to Garrick. <laughs> Silver-tongued, quick-witted, um, uh, s- not subterfuge, but like, like uh, secretive. A duplicitous, I would give you all of those words for Garrick, but I would never have said the idea of dimwitted. So the idea that, that Garrick would have like made it into the obsidian order and risen through the ranks, but almost out of sheer dumb luck, like <laughs> give him five points just for sheer dumb luck. You know, uh, everybody take a drink. That's your Harry Potter reference for the show. Um, like I never would have put that together though. Like that's, that's an interesting. 
see, I, take, I like bring that's it. kind of where he yeah. he still was in my head, okay. and I think mistakenly, yeah. But that that's kind of how I came into this episode. Okay, and so it it was a big shift for me. And by the end of this, like definitely, I. I did like when he was having the conversation. Well, okay. First of all, very early on the, the intro of the first episode mm-hmm. when he, he's talking with Bashir about like the, the old, the old, uh, mm-hmm. literature and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he says something about like, um, they're talking about, uh, was it Caesar and Brutus? Uh-huh. And he's like supposedly a great military tactician, but can't see what's going on right under his own nose. Mm-hmm. Like that seemed a little too on the nose. I think that's going to play into this episode a little bit. Uh-huh. I'm not sure how yet because it's really early on, but that's probably going to play into it. But then shortly after that, when Bashir is trying to explain to him about the boy who cried wolf, mm-hmm. like th- this is actually one of the earliest instances, instances where I started having a different thought about Garrick. Mm-hmm. But Bashir tries to tell him like, yeah, the point of that story is you shouldn't lie all the time because no one will ever believe you then even when you're telling the truth. It's like, oh, really? Or is it you should never tell the same lie twice? And like that little twist there, I'm like, oh, ooh, hmm, mm-hmm. hmm. Because then you apply that to like everything else that Garrick does throughout the episode too. Uh-huh. And because like you said, all those words that you gave me, to describe Garrick. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're true. Yes. Silver tongue. Yes. Duplicitous. Yes. He, he has a way with words. Mm-hmm. And by the end, throughout the entire second episode, mm-hmm. I was trying to figure out what he was doing because when Tane pointed it out that Garrick intentionally like insulted the Romulans in front of the Romulans. <laughs> so Tane would have to take a side and he's going to, yeah. you know, be offending someone somewhere. Right. And it's like, that's Garrick. Well, being Garrick. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. Not the Garrick I thought he was, but, but apparently the Garrick he is. So that, that kind of action is what really started to help me get a better picture of Garrick. Mm-hmm. I like that you're getting a better picture of Garrick because I would hate, I would hate for you to go through this whole series thinking Garrick is dim with it. I don't know why I'm stuck on that word. Like it's it's such a, that's I like, yeah, I, I need you to know who Garrick is because Garrick is super smart and he knows what he is. He is plotting and conniving with everything. He like, you should listen to everything he says and go, what do you really mean by that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now by the end of this, like, I just don't know what to think of Garrick really. Cause he, yep, that's right. That's, that's right. My, that's, that's how you should feel about Garrick at the end of this. So, so, okay. Okay. This may just be weird timing. Sure. And I don't want to bring it up too much, but Firefly, right? <laughs> sure. The, I now know way, what you're talking about, by the yeah, way. Yeah. But the way you ended up telling me you kind of feel about Jane. Right. Right. Where he, he's kind of yeah betraying them. Yeah. And it's like a Garrick seemed like an okay guy. He, he, he's against the order right now, but then the first time he's offered a chance to come back to the order, he jumps at it. Absolutely. Wait a minute. What? Huh? Mm -hmm. Like that, that was very unexpected to me. Yeah. And so like now even more so can't trust anything he says, can't trust anything he does. No, nor should you. But that's the beautiful thing about Gary. And I, you know, I was going to get into talking about maybe some, some more character specific stuff later, but now's a great time. That's the beautiful thing about Garrick because 
yes, he's going to jump at that as soon as he can. And yes, Garrick does torture Odo later on, but in, but the reason he's doing it is also to protect Odo at the same time, because if somebody else came in and tortured Odo, it would be unfettered. And, Mm -hmm. and while Garrick was the one having to enact the torture that was happening, he could at least mitigate it at some point and, Mm -hmm. and not make it as bad. Like Like this is weird to say because like he's a torturer. So bad, but it's also a part of what allowed Odo to survive through that yep. and to, to have mercy when he needed to have mercy. So that like, yeah, he jumped right back at it, but at the same time, he was also like, there's the, like it tore Garrick up to have to do that to Odo. Yes. But, th- but th- I don't think that's what he was thinking about when he said, when it went over and shook Tane's hand and 100%, said, Hey, I'm hundred yeah. percent. You're absolutely right. So, I mean, yeah. Once he realized, Oh, they're going to interview into, interrogate and torture this guy oh, i better take care of that mm-hmm. like at that point yeah he stepped in and said no no this me and, and insisted time and time again it's like mm-hmm. no no i got this don't worry right and just just a little note um andrew robinson talking about how he always played garrick he always he says he always played garrick as if whatever he was saying there was also a subtext to mm-hmm. and he said the only time when playing Garrick that he did not have a subtext. Like what he said is what he meant for Garrick to say and to truly was when he was begging with Odo to tell him the location so he could turn it off. He's like, that's it's the one moment that Garrick was true and honest completely. And everything else is like, it's the duplicitous nature of Garrick. There's always something going on with Garrick outside of that. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it's one of those things I just shouldn't bother questioning, but they brought that machine into the room mm-hmm. and turned it on. Yeah. Like they, they pieced it together. He hit a couple of buttons turned on. Why couldn't Odo just turn it off or destroy it? You know, knock it off the table and it probably won't work anymore. They, they had to piece it together. Right. Or I, I mean, something along those lines, like it's made out of rubber, so it won't break if you throw it on the floor <laughs> and the buttons are uh, fingerprint encoded like your phone is. But, but I mean, I, like I thought about that too. It's like, maybe he entered a code or something yeah. like he hit a few buttons, but then I'm like, well, okay. He, he watched him put those three like tripod pieces on there. I, I bet sure. if you take one of those off, it doesn't work anymore. Like something just give it like I it's one of those little things that mm-hmm. bothered me more than it should have probably. And they wanted to bring it into the room. So they had a visual for us, the viewer and for, I mean, and for Odo, but it, I think it would have been better if they set it right outside the doorway and said, Hey, see that little device out there. It's going to stop you from, from shape shifting. And there's a force field around the room. So you can't go out and do anything to it, but it has a range obviously. So while you're on this, Matt, can we talk about that little machine? Sure. So there is a machine that exists that can prevent the changelings from changing back into the liquid state. And when that happens, they turn into zombies. Yeah, that's weird. Talk to me about well, that. Yeah. I, I mean, as we've discovered, like, yeah, he, he needs to revert to his liquid shape every whatever, like 16 hours or something you said. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, if they can't do that, then they just start falling apart like that. That, that I think. Do, do you honestly think they're going for like zombie 
or were they just going chunks of him are falling off? I, I think they were going, he was drying out and chunks of him were yeah. falling off is what okay. they were going for. Yeah. But, but yes, I, I, I agreed 100% as soon as I saw him like that, that's mm-hmm. in my notes, like zombie Odo. Yeah. Like, huh, okay. Yeah. Like when, when the first and thing they painful. showed is, yeah, yeah they, they showed is like his boots or something. And like, like, why is someone all muddy? Like it was just all brown and gross. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, huh. Mm-hmm. And it panned up and it's like, oh, zombie Odo. Okay. Which remember yeah, because he's a changeling, I, his clothes are actually a part of his body. Exactly. And, right? and, and like I, I, that I thought through that process pretty quickly and it made sense. Yeah. So I didn't think anything more of it after that. Yeah. But yeah, like that, that is all him. One, well, and that's one of the, that's one of the things that a lot of people like to talk about is, okay, well, what about the communicator? Like his, commu- like his communicator is, is a functioning communicator with Odo. So is that a fully replicated, like that's him as part of that? Or like, is it a replicator that's like just inside Was the it goo? In this scene? The, the, the replicator that he always has on just in general, like in life, sure. in general, the replicator is there. Like he doesn't take it off and then go to goo. Like it's just there. Hmm. So is that a part of his body? Like, how does that, like, does he just keep it hidden inside like, of him? I, like, I, like, I would have thought that that'd be something extra that, you know, I, they gave him when they, uh-huh. I think the answer is they just didn't think about it back then. Probably. That's all it is. The yeah. internet wasn't there to yell at him. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's probably more true, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. That's it's that. That's there's that. A, gotcha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Fan discussion about that. Uh-huh. But yeah, I mean, they, they make the point of like, this is a prototype. It's the only one we have. We don't know if it's actually going to work. And so it, that, that's why it has been used elsewhere. But like, mm-hmm. as soon as like they know it's going to work, mm-hmm. like should just throw that down on the planet mm-hmm. or blast that signal or other, whatever that was yeah. at the planet. Like mm-hmm. I, okay. Tane's plan for the planet. Uh-huh. They're like, yeah, the, the nearest Gemini ships take seven hours to get here. We're going to spend the first hour blasting away the core and then the next five hours blasting away the next, the, the, like the, the center of the planet and just destroy the planet. Like, you're going to shoot this planet for six hours? Mm-hmm. That, I, that's the best plan you have? Because <laughs> like, the, the whole time he was leading up to this and they're like, yeah, I, I'm going to take him out in one fell swoop. Like just one attack. They're not going to know what's hit, not going to know what's hit him. And we'll be done with them. I'm like, how are you going to do that? And mm-hmm. then they go on to explain, like, it's going to take hours to destroy this planet. I'm like, they're not going to be able to do something about that. Like, I know you say the Jem'Hadar are off in the distance and they're not there to fight, but I'm pretty sure the founders could do something. Let me ask you this. Forget the mechanics of it for a moment. Mm-hmm. The idea of the Tal Shiar and the Obsidian Order teaming up to go preemptively wipe out the changelings. And then when they get there, it turns out they're lying in wait because this was an idea that was planted in Nobrentain's head by a changeling himself just to get them to come out there so they could take out the Obsidian Order and Tal Shiar in one fell swoop. Was it though? That's a brilliant, brilliant plan. Was it what? what? Was it planted by the founders? Or maybe a Nobrentain came up and they just they found out about it yeah, and they just th- fed it that, and, and, and yes, yes, that, that, that's that's whatever. what I I thought they said it was Tane's idea originally and they just went along. I with think it. you're right about that. But whatever it is, yeah, the idea it, that it gets twisted back around I on know. them, it's fantastic. It's a, gr- I mean, oh my god, the changelings, oh, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I I would 
I was blown away when Romulan dude comes up at the end and it's like, here, you'll need this to get to your I'm like, wait, how are you going to write this off? Right. There's no way the Romulan actually wants to work with the, oh, he's a changeling. Uh-huh. Okay. You win. <laughs> you want, you got the story right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that was a good twist. A very good twist. Mm-hmm. And that was all in the ramp up of, you know, what is going on here? There's so much going on now. Mm-hmm. But the other thing I had a problem with, and correct me if I, I'm missing something here, uh-huh. but the warbirds themselves are fairly large and powerful ships, correct? The Romulan warbirds, yes. Yes. I don't know what the Cardassian ships are like. They, they seem a little punier. They're like, oh, the Cardassians can cloak now? Like, that's new technology for them. So, I mean, they're, they're mm-hmm. not as good I, in my mind. So you get this whole fleet of them. Mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly how many they said they were. They referred to it as a fleet once. And on screen, I think once we saw probably close to like 15, 20 of them. Sure. There, there may have been more, but still. A bunch of these things. Multiple warbirds. And the Jem'Hadar come in with their tiny little ships. Yeah, there was 150 of them, fine. But they start, you know, blowing up the warbirds. Oh, One yeah. of them goes down right away. A bunch of the others are disabled. I'm like, wow, okay, they're they're really going at them. They're 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 going to take these things out. And then the tiny little defiant, which I'm pretty sure you've explained to me, is nowhere near the size of like Enterprise or something like that. Right. Right. right? Yeah. So like tiny little defiant comes in, mm-hmm. and yeah, we're just going to blow up Jem'Hadar ships at will. Mm-hmm. We're gonna save our people. We're going to, you know, put our shields down to transport them back onto our ship, mm-hmm. not get blasted out of the air, and then blow up some more Jem'Hadar ships, and then blow up the guys that are trying to follow us on the way out, mm-hmm. and just sail safely back to GS9. Mm-hmm. How? Why? What? Well, but remember, remember that the Defiant is overpowered and overgunned for a ship her size. Okay. So that that helps like, a little that's, bit. that's the only thing I'm, I'll give you on that because other than that, you're right now. The defiant is I, the defiant. I think maybe bigger than what you're thinking of in your mind, but it is still I, very small. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know if they had the sizes exact in, in the show and how much we saw side by side comparison on mm-hmm. screen, but it looked like the defiant might be smaller than the warbirds. Oh, very much. So. The warbirds are like like seventeen oh one D size warbirds. Okay. Maybe yeah. even a little bigger, to be honest with you. Um, so that's what I mean. It, like, yeah. It, it, unless like the Gem Hadar mistook the Defiant for one of their own, and that's right. why they didn't fire on it right away. Right. I, I like. I don't know. Like, now, the just just to help scale that for you, the Defiant might be able to fit in the shuttle bay of the of the seventeen oh one D, but mm-hmm. it would be the only thing in that shuttle bay. They'd have to sure. take out everything. It would fill up the entire thing. And I don't know that it would actually fit in that in the shuttle bay at all. Like yeah. the Defiant is still bigger and it, it is still big. Um but okay. it's not okay. how how do you know how a Gem Hadar ship compares to that? I would think the I would think the Defiant and Jim Hadar ships are probably about equal size. Okay. Maybe the, maybe the Jim Hadar ships are, yeah, see I, that, in my I mind, that, they're about the same size. The Defiant and the Jim Hadar ships are about the same size in my mind. And that's kind of what it felt like when they're going through this, but that's why mm-hmm. it seems so weird that, you know, they could fly in and basically be on unharmed when warbirds were going down. Mm-hmm. Like it just seems so lopsided and, once again, I don't, I, I don't know if the Jem'Hadar were so gung-ho on, like, we know the Romeos and Cardassians are coming to destroy us, so we're focused on them, and so they weren't really paying attention to this one lone right. other ship. Like, I mean, 
I don't know. It, it felt a little awkward. It felt mm-hmm. a little like these are our heroes. They're going to survive. So yeah, they'll get to blow up a few ships. Yay. But we're other, otherwise just going to leave them alone. Yeah. And again, I go back to the defiant is a warship and it is overpowered and overgunned for a ship at size. So, so the, the other thing bad, eh? yeah. I kind of wonder about too, like getting to that area and, and maybe it didn't matter because they were laying in wait. And so sure. Um, they wouldn't have been noticed anyway, but like they made the, the Rom, well, no, maybe it was Tane. I don't know that, that crew mm-hmm. uh, made a whole big point about like, we can only go warp six while we're cloaked. So the gem don't notice us. Right. Sure. And then every time, like, I don't know if it's just lack of knowledge or what the point was, but every time the defiant was like, no, we're going to go cloaked warp eight. We're going to go cloaked maximum warp. Mm-hmm. And like, they're going to notice you like yeah. now that, well, I, I'm the approach be, before I knew that, that uh-huh. what was going down, like, I'm like, you guys are going to get noticed. Like, sure. what are you doing? Like, I know you're trying to catch up to the other guys who, who had had start on you, but man, I, I, is that really the smartest thing to do? Yeah. The, the only thing I can think about it is like what people would be detecting would be sort of like a wake. Mm-hmm. Like if you think of a, a regular boat, like you get the wake, the, the waves. Yeah. yeah. Well, the warbird is bigger, so it's going to create a bigger wake. So it has to go slower as not to create that same wake, but the defiant That's fair. being smaller That's fair. can go okay. a little faster and not make that same wake. Like, I can get on board with that. That'd be that's the only that's the only thing I can come up with that well, well, I think but, is in my I head. I mean, I would also yeah. just be okay with Cisco doesn't have that knowledge because he d- hasn't flown with cloak devices as much and hasn't experimented and hasn't been trying to, you know, hide. Yeah, that could be true too. Cause the, cause the cloak is still relatively new to the Federation, right? Yeah. So, I, I mean, it, it, yeah. when they mentioned it and like they made a point, like Garrick kind of scoffed at it and it's like, that seems kind of slow. And it's then like they took the time to explain, well, this is why we're doing it. It it felt like new information that Mm -hmm. they were offering. It's like, this is, we're making this canon now. These guys need to go warp six or less to stay cloaked and undetected. Like this, this is how we're, how we're doing things now. So So. I want to come back to Cisco in just a moment Mm -hmm. because I want to talk about him. But before we go, all right. So wrap me around to the, to the main end of this plot uh, as we get there. And the, the big idea, the changelings are now interfering, like actively interfering in Alpha Quadra politics. I don't know if you can easily remind me what mm-hmm. they kind of said last time we met them down on the planet. Like they, they had sent all these people out, including Odo, mm-hmm. with the intent that like they were kind of doing recon and then they were going to find their way back. Right. Yep. Yeah. They just sort of. But the, the idea you got then was more of a. Hey, we sent them out like to go learn and just see who, like, this is how they're exploring the universe is we're going to send them out and they're all going to go learn and they're eventually going to come back and we're going to learn from them until we got to the end of that episode. And we're like, why do you have our people plugged into the matrix? Cause that's (laughs) not remember. Cause they had like the rest of the crew, like in that cave. And they're like, well, we had to see what kind of resistance. I, I think it, I think this was the female changeling. Maybe it was the Vorta who said we had to see what kind of resistance you guys would offer if we came into the Alpha Quadrant. Yeah, like that was their like testing, and now they're actively like trying to get rid of people and you know power forces, stabilizing power forces that exist within the Alpha Quadrant. I think the most frightening thing that they said is that after today. Like they're, they plan on taking out the Romulans and the Cardassians that are there. Yeah. Obviously there's more of those races back in the Alpha Quadrant, but 
like they're not they don't consider them a threat at that point mm-hmm. like the these these well, the, the obsidian order and and the tal shiar yeah. is what they considered the threat i think well they said all it would leave would be the federation and the klingons well and yeah it, it, exactly yeah. That, that i mean that's what i'm getting at that they're they're not well oh, shoot who's it's been a while since i had to think about who's in the federation and who's not we have the vulcans we have the andorians we have a bunch of other people, but that's really well, all you but my point about. being like the Cardassians and the, the Romulans that we were talking about. Uh-huh. So they're none of them are part of the Federation not in the yeah. Federation. Right. Yeah. So basically when they say the Klingons in the Federation, like there's, that's what I'm saying that they're considering Cardassians, Romulans are gone, done for. We don't right. have to worry about them anymore. Right. That's half, that's half of the power mm-hmm. base of the alpha quadrant. So now, now it's down to the, rid of the other Klingons in the Federation. Mm-hmm. And I, and then they continue to say, I doubt either will be a threat for much longer. I'm like, because that, because, <laughs> because we're going to take them out because they have plans. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. And, and and so, yeah, I mean, that's the most disturbing part of that is yes. that I love that word, Matt. That's the word. It should <laughs> be disturbing when you think about it on that level. Mm-hmm. Like uh, chain links are doing bad stuff and it's starting to happen. I mean, this is what I'm talking about, man. And this is what I, I always thought the board could have done and never did do necessarily. Uh-huh. I, we, we, we didn't see them do. Right. But now like the founders almost see or the dominion. Right. But the founders really mm-hmm. almost seem like they they have a better plan. I mean, they have a plan. Than the smash and grab that the Borg have? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the Borg are kind of just almost randomly, oh, we like this planet. We'll it's ours ya. now. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so they just kind of go planet by planet, whereas they're like, no, we're just going to wipe out entire races. Yeah. And sure, here you go. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're not about assimilation. It's like, no, they're a threat. Maybe someday. Mm-hmm. So we're going to take them out. Yep. That's pretty much it. But it, at the same time, though, right? And this is what always gets me. When you think about how Gamma Quadrant politics has been described to us, it's been a, if you want to do trade in the Gamma Quadrant, you've got to do it with the, the Dominion. With the Dominion. And and we saw other races that were part of the Dominion worlds. And what they've told us is, is when the Dominion come knocking, you either agree to become a part of their deal or the Jim Hadar land and wipe you out. Yeah. Like that's that's their typical MO, you know, but here they're actually looking to just wipe well, people I think out. The the Alpha Quadrant has basically said, no, we're not going to work with the Dominion. Sure. For the most part, other than like Quark, I guess, wants to trade with the Dominion kind of. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I, I mean, he wasn't in this episode. And so I would almost I would kind of wonder how much he actually really knows about the Dominion and what they are. Has anybody come back mm-hmm. and told Quark like, hey, you don't really want to do business with them? I don't know. But between their their, their last encounter, like you said, with the, the Matrix experiment. Sure. That, I think that was enough proof for them, at least from like the Federation side of things that, yeah, yeah they're, they're not going to cooperate with us. Yeah. And now they're more than on the doorstep. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're doing stuff. So yeah, well, we may or may not come back to that part of the storyline anytime soon, Matt. We'll find <laughs> out. We'll find out on a future episode. But for now, I want to go talk about Cisco. Let's talk about Cisco. And in, in, in particular, the part where he completely defies orders to go on this rescue mission. He is explicitly told by his admiral, do not go. And Cisco goes, 
forget you, you. That's what you heard. Right, right. He's like, that message was so garbled. I don't know what I, it said. Well, and that's the thing too. Like we didn't actually hear the message. It was just relayed to him. And sure. it's like, yeah, you, you think that's what you heard. Oh yes. There was a <clears throat> ion storm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, that's how very not Picard of Cisco. Well, yes, I, but that's the thing is, I, I think we've seen this type of rebellion from just about every captain at some point. Mm, yeah, I think so. It's okay. just the way he went about it is a little bit different. Uh-huh. And it was very, very direct and very much in front of everybody. Like mm-hmm. that, that was kind of the other weird thing. It's like he got this message in front of the entire bridge crew. And then he's like, no, you heard that wrong in front of the entire bridge crew. And then everything just unfolded there. Like, yeah, we're going to make up this excuse and everybody's going to play along. And then they cut over to Eddington, who, by the way, have I met Eddington before this episode? Yes, you have. Okay. Yes, you have. He was in the first episode of season three, I think, The Search. Hmm. He came in and he is Starfleet's security attache and Odo got all pissy about it and tried to quit. And then Kira wouldn't let him. And she said, be on the Defiant and we're going to go. And that's when he went over and he met his people in the Changeling homeworld. Okay. All right. And and Eddington was brought in, um, yeah, basically to be a, a, a foil for Odo. And yeah. yeah, and I'm glad you went to Eddington because he's really the last bi- guy that I need to talk about. Yeah, uh, the I, 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 I want to hear you talk about is Eddington, who not a fan, mm, right? I mean, this dude. I mean, he is. I know there should be a very good Harry Potter comparison here. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure which one is the best. It, it's either like Mr. Filch seems too tame, honestly. He almost reminds me of Malfoy in the Malfoy first with Umbridge. Book. No, Malfoy oh. with McGonagall in the first book mm. is who he he reminds me of. Either one, I could yeah. see. Yeah, yeah, but Malfoy's probably the better route to go. Yeah, yeah, but in t- yeah. It, like Inquisitorial Squad, kind of taking things into his own hands a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But he was he was under direct orders to stop Cisco from doing this, and so he yeah. did his job. He did what he was supposed to do, but he betrayed his his commander in the mm-hmm. process. Who's supposed to be there? And the commander's like, I make it a point not to question the integrity of anyone who wears that uniform. So sure, stay at your post because I need people. And I'd be like, uh uh-uh. No. <laughs> no, no, no. Stick with your gut center to the brig. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't even sent in the break. He was confining him to quarters. And right. Like, Dude, no. Lock that guy up. Yeah. You, and- you don't want him messing around. Like, yeah. that's the thing. This was the second time that people have directly come out with it because the Romulans did it too. I, I mean, it was almost for a laugh, I think. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, we don't expect the Romulans to actually admit to anything. Oh, yeah, we, we blew up the ship. <laughs> And, and then the, the same thing kind of happened here. Yeah. It's like, oh, it, it, it looks like someone may have sabotaged the ship. Yeah, I did it. Right. Like what? Everybody's right. just admitting this stuff here. Like what right. is going on? And now that and I've it, done it, uh, I just was following orders, but now I'll do whatever you tell me to do now that I've completed my orders from them. You well, can like, trust I think, me. You like Eddington, me. It, it, it felt like the way they wrote it, they just wanted to push the 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 plot forward. Like they didn't want to spend time trying to figure out who did it, trying to figure out what was wrong. So they're just, they're just like, I'm going to make him confess and tell you exactly what, what was wrong. But if I'm Eddington in that in that situation, I feel that I wouldn't have spoken up. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I did my job. No one needs to know necessarily. I did right. my job. 
they're not going to be able to fix it. So they're going to have to turn around like I want them to. But then as soon as he's like, no, I'm the one that did it. And this is exactly what I screwed up. Now you know what to go fix. And I just solved you, you know, two days of diagnosis time. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, no, that like you just shot yourself in the foot. So I, I mean, I, I just don't like anything about Eddington. I, I, I don't like his position. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm not supposed to like him. Like I, you, you know how much I like Odo. So why am I going to like his replacement that works for the big man upstairs? Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's, I, everything about Eddington rubs me the wrong way. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, so that's Eddington. Uh, Tane got left on board the warship to go down with the ship. Uh, so bye bye, Tane. Yeah, didn't surprise me at all. Yeah, yeah, no, no love lost there. No, frankly. Uh, and then you just because you brought this up, I, I actually hadn't even thought to talk about it, but just because you sort of brought it up, you talked about this episode's about relationships mm-hmm. and you went through a few. Let's talk about the middle relationship, O'Brien and Bashir. Okay, I feel like you have missed this so far. But I think so too. There is a budding, shall we say, bromance between okay. Bashir and O'Brien. And you're going to miss the next like big moment that moves their relationship <laughs> forward here uh, coming up real soon. Uh, because as- effectively what's happened is, is, is they've got on a few adventures together and they've started to, to like sort of respect each other. First one got an annoy, you know, O'Brien was really annoyed by Bashir. Mm-hmm. And they've just like, they kind of become drinking buddies after a while. They go on holodeck adventures together. They, they, they've kind of got all this stuff going on, but I'm just letting you know, there is this budding bromance and, and the Bashir O'Brien relationship really becomes a key relationship in deep space nine. And, and okay. is probably one of the we're, more key relationships in star Trek. They, the ones that went kayaking or was yeah. that someone else? Yep. No, okay. that, that was, that absolutely was. And the, the, a part of the, the, the plot of that, just so you know, is in order to get rid of Keiko and not have to have her around because she's the wife, mm-hmm. uh, the script writers basically just said, Hey, she's down on Bajor looking at plants, like doing uh-huh. her job as a botanist. Like, so she'll pop up when she's on home for the weekend every once yeah. in a while, but she's really not a part of the show. So they fill that in with, you know, Bashir and his, <laughs> he needs someone to hang out. with. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. I, f- I feel like I haven't really gotten much of Bashir or Dax lately. Yeah. Well, that'll, those will change as time goes on because, and, and remember I, I you know, I kind of said to you at the beginning, there's a lot that goes in through deep space nine. We're really going to mostly have to stick to the main central story thread of deep space. Oh, yeah. Nine. I understand. And we'll try to filter in a few things here and there as we go. But for the most part, we got to stay in this vein, which you've correctly guessed at this point, it's the dominion story arc mm-hmm. and, and you know, how the Kai situation is going to play into that. And, and, you know, all, all of these things are, 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 you know, DF69 is going to interweave a lot of this together. So, uh, so we'll have that. So Matt, uh, I, I'll, I'll ask you, is there anything else you want to touch on before we move on, uh, in, in tonight's episode? I think the only other little thing that I'll mention, mm-hmm. and it kind of goes along with like what I was saying, like every race seems to have fill in the blank. Sure. Every race seems to have their own explosive device, their signature explosive sure. device. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yep. Good call. 
And honestly, I'm sitting there thinking like, if everybody, if this is common knowledge, if everybody has this information, if I'm a bad guy that uses explosives, I'm going to say, hey, I'm not going to use the one from my race. I'm going to use the one that that race is known for. Fair. Fair. Because it just seems too easy to track otherwise. Mm-hmm. Like it, they did it twice in this episode. So that's my other little thing. But yeah, other than that, I'm good. All right. Well, Matt, I'm going to put, I'm going to put you on a, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Oh boy. All right. Boil the episode down. If I asked you to put a grade on it, Ooh. whatever that means to you, however you arbitrarily subjectively assign a grade, where would you assign a grade to give me, give this? me a scale here. What are uh, one ABC, to 10? A to F? No, like, I would, I would go with grades like in school, like A, B, C, D and F. Okay. Uh, pluses and minuses as you see fit completely arbitrary, but where would, why do we never use E or why was it not in in that scale? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Cause we really wanted to get to F. So you knew that you failed. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Right now where I'm sitting. Yeah. This is really tough because I haven't graded any episodes before. Right. So I I don't have anything to base it on. Right. Right. Yep. 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 So I, 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 my initial thought was like a B plus, uh-huh. but even just saying B sounds wrong because mm-hmm. especially the end of this episode, it felt really good. So I don't want to move it up to like an A minus, but then I'm like, well, man, what other episodes would I put in that like A range? And yeah. like, am I leaving enough room? So I'll, I'll put it there for now though. I'll, I'll give it like A minus. All right. I should probably keep track of these somewhere. I'm not going yep. to, but I'm probably going to say this. Like I should have kept track. Well, like I said, I should have, I, I give it an A. Yeah. Th- this is an A episode to me. A minus. Sure. I don't know. That's quite a plus, but it's, it's in there. It's a good episode, man. It's a, absolutely a, a good episode. Um, as far as just a couple of production notes that we didn't mention over the course of our conversation, there's just a handful. Sure. Um, this episode was originally conceived of to be a single episode and the original ending was going to be Garrick and Odo getting captured by Tane. And basically Odo goes, Hey, if you don't, or not Odo, but Tane goes, no, I'm sorry. Let me try that again. Garrick says to Tane, if you don't let us go, I've got this proof back at home and it's going to get released. And so Tane just lets them go. And then we uh-huh. never would have found out what was actually on, on the thumb drive or the isolinear rod or whatever it is that they were going to use. Uh, and he was blackmailed into it and all the writers hated that ending. Like it's so cliche. It's so yeah. blah. It's so just not, interesting. I don't think I would have liked that ending. There, there no. were times during these episodes that I felt that I wonder if this could have been one episode. It feels mm-hmm. like they're stretching things. Like the, like I said, the first half of the first episode mm-hmm. I felt was really kind of slow. And, and by the time we got halfway through the episode, we were back at square one. Yeah. Like you probably could have gotten rid of most of that. Mm-hmm. And then the beginning of the second episode, I started to wonder a little bit too, when it was just like the two guys <laughs> sitting in the room talking for so long. Yeah. I'm like, do we really need all of this information? Or are you just feeling like I, it's always a little bit harder to judge when it's a to be continued, like the yep. second part of the episode. Cause it's like, they don't necessarily give us that just filler at the beginning. Mm-hmm. They just jump because the, 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 the intro is the previously on mm-hmm. like they need to give us that. And then, so they jump right into the action right away. And so it's like, well, I don't know. Did you need that? Did you not need that? And yeah, I, I, I almost wonder if they could have made it one episode, but admit, I guess they tried that. 
Yeah, they basically they hated it, so they changed the ending. And from what I've read, really the only part they really changed, Matt, was the ending. So the rest of the episode was pretty much as it was boxed. Uh, you know, okay. came in box. They changed the ending to turn it into a two-parter. Now, here's the pro. Oh, and by the way, it was your boy Michael Pillar who came up with that idea. Saw his name in the credits. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, so they had this episode. They decided to change the ending sort of last minute as they were doing everything. They had another episode ready to go, but because they decided to make it into a two-party, they then had to make a th- the actual two second part of this episode. So when they filmed this, because of the way that that worked out, they filmed this episode. Then they filmed an episode called Through the Looking Glass, which um, it, it's it's another one where they go back to the mirror universe. Sure. Uh, and then they came back and filmed the Dias cast after they filmed Through the Looking Glass. And then they just shuffled the uh, the air date order uh, yeah. to, to put them together. And actually, when this episode premiered over in England on the BBC, they actually premiered it as a feature length episode like a double episode so yeah. uh, i just I, I found that was real interesting how they had to shuffle the 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 deal there so all right matt well now we've come to it that's i mean that's it that's how the new show is going to go so we're back into sort of i guess our regular flow i'll put it to you did you like the episode would you watch it again do you understand why it's part of our run oh yeah well you talked about the dominion had to be in there yep. big big twist here big turning point for them so gotta watch it Mm -hmm. i'd watch it again i'd i'd sit i'd even sit through the first half of that episode (laughs) just to to get to the rest of it and and we talked about rewatchability like now that i know what's going on Mm -hmm. i i need to track it and see what see what's going on throughout the early part there you go matt well would you got your pen and paper ready you're ready to find out what our next episode is that we're going to be watching that would be useful we are going to jump back over to voyager this will be our final episode of season one from star trek voyager it's titled faces just a single episode this single time? episode yep just a single episode but All i have right. several extra viewing episodes i need to give you here in deep space nine okay before we get out of here um two of them are actually like really good go watch them the other one is not but i need to let you know what happens okay sure. uh so the first one is an episode called explorers which is it's a it's an interesting episode i wouldn't say it's the most thrilling or exhilarating but there's two things about that that you need to know coming out of that episode one jake finally tells his father that he doesn't want to go to starfleet and that he wants to be a writer and like cisco has to come to terms with that okay okay the other one is jake and the rest of the crew particularly dax are trying to set ben back up kind of to get back into the dating pool you know since his wife's (laughs) dead uh and there's a freighter captain named cassidy yates that they keep trying to set him up with we have not met cassidy yet but she her name is continually brought up over the course of this episode and and uh you're you just need to know that okay so cassidy yates is a girl they're trying to hook him up with Jake doesn't want to go to Starfleet. That's what you really need to know Got out it. of that episode. But it's it's an interesting episode to watch. I I really enjoy that particular episode. The other episode I want to give you as an as an extra viewing is an episode called Family Business. This is a Ferengi episode. I and figured it was. In this episode, we meet a guy named Liquidator Brunt. Now, Liquidator Brunt comes to Quark's bar to basically take it away. He is a bad guy. Brunt is played by a fan favorite guest actor, Jeffrey Combs. You haven't met Jeffrey Combs just yet, Matt, but Jeffrey Combs turns up in everything and he is so versatile. And we'll talk about Jeffrey Combs when the time comes. All right. Okay, that name sounds kind Actually, of Actually, I think we might've caught him in one other role so far uh, over in TNG. I believe I could be wrong, but anyway, and you might know him cause he's, he's 
he's continued to work Uh cool cool guy we will catch up with brunt in a later episode so you don't necessarily need this one but this is okay. sort of his debut episode and i'll give it to you it's a good episode just not one that's going to make our our run and the last episode i need to give you is shikar i hate this episode i would tell you <laughs> do not watch this episode well can you can you spell that for me yes s h a K A A R Shakar. And it's also DS nine. It's also DS nine. Yeah. And the only thing you really need to know about that is Shakar is a person and he was the leader of Kira's resistance cell back during the occupation. And uh, Kai Wen is is aiming to take control of the Bajoran provisional government. So it's a Kai Wen episode. Uh. And basically Shakar comes in and they have to convince he's kind of a he's not a super strong guy. Like he's kind of wishy washy. And they convince Shakar to like run against Kai Wen and he wins. So he becomes the new head of the provisional government. Oh, and by the way, him and Kira start having a thing, kind of like a him and Bar a Kira and Barail kind of thing. So sure. no Odo. Thank you. Kira's got another love interest now. So he's there. It's a thing. Kai Wynn's still floating out there. I do I do not like this episode. I'm sure there's people that are going to write in and be like, are you crazy? It's a great episode. <laughs> no. And all you just need to know is this dude is now the leader of the provisional government and he's shacking up with Kira. Okay. And Kai Wynn failed at a, at a bid to take control of the government. That's it. Okay. There's my 30 seconds. Yep. We'll explain it to you. So I, I will happily skip a Kai Wynn episode. Oh. You should watch them all. No, not don't watch this one. Actually, there's a few I've had you miss. Matt, that's going to do it for us this week here on Beam Me Up. Please, guys, remember, if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do that by emailing us to beammeuppod at gmail.com or head over to beammeuppod.com for more ways to connect with us. Matt, tell the folks where they can get in touch with you if they want to talk to you about anything we've talked about on tonight's episode. You can find me over on Instagram and Twitter at as a matter of Matt. And if you guys want to get in touch with me, you can find me at Brent Allen live across all the social medias. I would love to connect with you there as well, too. Until next time, folks, live long and prosper.